Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show, My So-Called Fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman, and welcome. I'm so glad you're watching and you're listening to me today. And you know what I get to say today? I am Chef Tiffany. That is actually my <laughs> title. I am a chef. So, But I never call myself Chef Tiffany on this show because I've had few, just a few fo- foodies on here. So I am so excited to welcome to my show my precious friend, Chef Carlos Cruzco. Hi there. How are you doing? Everybody, welcome. My friend for so many years. Oh my yeah. goodness. I mean, we have been friends for a very long time. Long time. Walk, worked together in yeah. um, on many projects, but one near and dear to both of our hearts is the beef industry with the Tef- Texas Beef Council, yep. Beef Loving Texans. That's where we met. That's right. That's how we met. So um, we met and... We're both chefs, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I'm a chef. Everybody, I don't That's know why that, I right? call her Chef Tiffany. <laughs> Everyone's calling her Tiffany. I call her Chef Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, Chef. Hey, because you should call a chef a chef. Yeah. That is, it's like a doctor, and yeah, yeah I don't say attorney, attorney so-and-so, <laughs> so-and-so, but that, there's got to be something there. Right, but right. anyway, well, welcome, welcome. So Thank how you are for you? having oh, me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for coming all the way from Austin up to Fort Worth. And yeah. we were just talking about, you know, one of these days I'm going to stop talking about this, but COVID. Uh, I know. Okay. I know. It's a lot, but uh, I don't know. I don't really know where to start. Uh, it's nice to see a few steps financially where people can kind of get back to work or at least try to start opening. We're going to try to start opening the first week of June, doing live dinners in people's homes. Um, But I definitely think we need to still be responsible. Uh And um, if we're going to get out, you know, do it in the right places, uh, certain limits on the number of people and things like that. Just be responsible. Use some common sense is kind of how I look at it, but, uh, and people aren't we'll doing see. that. No, 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 no. I've seen a lot where people aren't doing that. I know. That. Okay. So history. So we're, we're, we'll get into your bio in a minute, but okay. you are a private chef. That is, that is what you have done for many years, correct? Well, yes and no. So, uh, started out as a private chef business, uh, where it was just me. Um, when I first started this, I was working at a country club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, things progress from there and just over a period of time, it progressed into something bigger. So we're now we do a full on residential and corporate catering business where I have chefs, they're contract workers, but I have chefs and a full f- front of house service team that can come in and do events. So there's a lot of events that my company does where I'm not even there. Right. Um, so it's a little bit bigger than just a private chef that I have friends that are still doing where it's just them, you know, they go right. in, they do everything. I'm trying to grow the business more and more so we can take on a little bit more consistent work, try to partner with some companies as well. So we right. have a little bit more corporate consistent work. Um, so that's kind of how it's all come around. Mm-hmm. When I first started, it was a little bit more about me practicing the art of being a chef and mm-hmm. cooking and all that. And for the last couple of years, I've been trying to focus a little bit more on putting the business hat on and trying to grow the business, get myself a little bit more out of the kitchen and oh, bring gosh. some chefs in there. And it's difficult. It's not an easy transition. It's not an easy transition no. because as a chef, I know myself, there's control and there's a way that you like to reflect your brand. Yeah. And um, someone asked me actually on the show, if... How, how does, can I watch someone cook for me? 
And the answer is no. I have a very difficult time because in my mind I'm doing differently, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, not saying that they can't do a different job, but my mind just goes, well, that should have been, or I learn, I do learn, but it's interesting because I saw on your website, you have two chefs on board with you. How do you do that? You just let them go or? Well, that's a great, great question. Um, <laughs> so I've learned the hard way. Yes. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, the most intelligent at, at it, but that's, I've had to learn the hard way. Don't we all? But what I figure that I had to do was it really forced me to look at our menu, what we're offering in terms of services. Mm -hmm. When you're a private chef, you're basically, you know, curating menus specific to a customer. Sure. When you're dealing with a catering company, they have a menu, you go on, you order from that menu. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I had to figure out how to do. And so now instead of just having that one service, it's a unique to a customer. We now have three other levels, Right. one of which are party platters. Yep. So, you know, charcuterie t uh, platter, cheese platter, mm -hmm. empanadas, all these different things like that, um, that I can teach a chef. Right. Uh, we also do uh, tapas parties, which are like cocktail parties. We have a limited menu. Mm -hmm. I teach the chefs those those. items. Okay. And then we also have a prefix dinner uh, menu. We have five choices, Spanish, French, Italian, American, and Spanish, uh, no, Latin. Latin. And so those are four course meals. Again, that's something I teach the chefs how to cook all those gotcha. uh, items. So they end up learning how to do majority, if not all of these items, so that when we receive orders for those three levels of service, it's a turn and burn. I just plug and play. I need people for front of house. I need this chef here, go. And then we may that same day do an event that somebody wanting a unique experience, interactive, because ours, it's pretty exhaustive. We it ask is. them questions. They give us information about their taste. We then create unique choices for them. Then they choose those. We design a menu for them. I mean, it's it's a lot more attention to detail. So then that's where something I could come in. Right. I've never had a chef stay with me long enough <laughs> to where I can, you know, push that part of that Carlos, on them. I'm, you know, I'm learning. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. It's, it's not. It's not easy. Uh, our industry is notorious for having that revolving mm -hmm. door. Turnover. Um, so that's why I figured, okay, I'm going to have to try and do it a different way. And I'm still learning. I've been doing some business coaching with an organ, a nonprofit. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, okay. of course. It's called People Fund in okay. Austin. Uh -huh. Great nonprofit. Wow. And they've been helping me try to design a new way of attacking this. And what I'm going to do uh, once we get out of this whole COVID mm -hmm. you know, situation is try and create more of an apprenticeship program, working with the culinary school in yes. Austin and bringing young, hungry um, uh, boys, men and young men and women to come on board to learn the skills that they're hungry, they want to learn and try to look at it that way instead of people who've already been in the game. Yeah. Maybe they're just oh. floating between jobs. I mean, I, you know. Okay. So the perfect, perfect example of this. So when I was in culinary school out on the East Coast and at Johnson and Wales, and I remember going into culinary school. Now, I, at TCU, I had food science and nutrition degree. So go. I just want to go to, I would go to culinary school. Never worked in a restaurant in my whole life, okay? Walk in to 21 students 
19 male, two females. Okay. One of us had never worked in a restaurant, even as wait staff, front of the house. Okay. So can you imagine that? Can you imagine what, I mean, they, I was just fresh, fresh bait. Yeah. So I was very nervous. They handed me an industrial can opener. I don't know how to open it. Right. That, that's the size of that camera up there, <laughs> um, that tripod. So I didn't know, but the the head chef, the master chef from Germany that could barely, oh, he's so good looking, uh, barely speak <laughs> English, no joke. And um, he pulled me in and because I was so discouraged, so discouraged. And uh, he pulled me in and he said, you are my best student. Yeah. And I'm like, seriously, are you trying to date me? I mean, seriously, <laughs> I mean, I thought, I mean, he said, because you're a sponge, yeah. you are just learning. All of these other kids are just all they're doing is showing me that they're the best. Right. You know nothing. And I didn't know. I mean, I know food science and nutrition, but in that, that oh my goodness, if you're still around, I mean, that chef just, yeah. because I didn't. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I'm not going to say any names, obviously, but <laughs> um, I've had chefs that worked for me who were instructors at culinary schools. Mm-hmm. And then I have people who are in culinary school or just out of it. One of the things that I would do for these dinners for quality control was have the chef and or server send me pictures of the four courses that were put out in a text message, right? The pictures that I would get sometimes from the student versus the teacher, no one could tell who was a teacher and who was a student. And all that comes down to is passion. Mm -hmm. I cannot teach someone passion. I can teach you the plating. I can teach you how to set up. I can teach you these menu items, these dishes, my philosophy on food. I can teach you all of those things. But if you don't have the passion to come in here and feel like what you're putting on a plate is representing you and the company you're working for. Mm -hmm. No, no, you can't teach passion. And you've been around this industry for a while. I'm sure you've seen, and there's a lot of chefs that are just, they've lost that. Yeah. And there's a lot of ego in our industry. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's, and there's that. It's interesting you say that because we get a lot of servers that are working at restaurants in Austin mm-hmm. or for, for other, in other um, food industry places. And uh, one of the comments that I've received quite often from them after they come and work one night, they're like, even some of the chefs too, they're like, you're so nice you're so calm. Like we're, we're accustomed to being yelled at, being treated poorly. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, and you know, um, working in the beef industry with Linda Beebe and that whole group, the the number of chefs that I've met, I've been, you know, I'm not going to act like you're a rock star because I met Julia Child and I fell to my feet when, you know, meeting her at a culinary conference and she's towering over me and she was so precious and so lovely and uh, humble. Yeah. Oh, humble. Oh my goodness. Then I meet chefs and I love you all chefs, but (laughs) come on, we're all put our pants on the same way. But, but anyway, just like you and our chefs and, you know, sometimes I, I think I get a little fussy at restaurants when, um, it's not expectly like exactly like I would expect it to be, right? But I don't know. I guess because you know my husband's like, well, go do it yourself. You know, I mean, so <laughs> so it's it's tough. You know, which brings me to um, where we are now. So you drove in from Austin yep. today. I came in from Austin yesterday, and being in Fort Worth the entire time under quarantine, 
I was in Mexico for a minute, but at the beginning of it. But so we have had, in my opinion, Fort Worth has been um, very forward and moving forward and opening and reopening and some didn't shut down. They just did the curbside. And um, so moving forward, I mean, we have a vast amount of dining opportunities in Fort Worth. Some are doing it fabulously. Others, mm, you know, we yeah. kind of be you're a little bit careful. You got to wear your mask. Right. So, but when we went to Austin this weekend, um, we lived downtown and closed down. Oh, I yeah. mean, I mean, Car- Carlos, it was it was troubling. I mean, we walked five blocks and didn't find. Yeah. I mean, downtown bars opened up this past Friday. Yeah. Uh-huh. At 25, I think. 25%. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, and look, I mean, I think you can put some of this on the, the local government, but some of it, I mean, I remember reading an article in Austin Chronicle where they talked to, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 different, uh, restaurant owners in Austin and just, it was great because what they did was they, they split it. Seven wanted to open and seven didn't. Mm-hmm. And they gave their explanations for it. Wow. And all of them were valid. And sure. I thought so. Um, you know, even though that the opportunity has been there, some of them just haven't. And, and look, I mean, I don't own a restaurant, um, but I put my, my, my business hat on and I think you're already operating at razor thin margins. Now somebody's going to tell you that you can only operate it, call it 20, 40% mm-hmm. and you're supposed to make money. How? Right. It just, and, and take on all that liability for what if something happens at your restaurant? Right. I mean, I don't know. You know, change I just, the industry. Yeah. I just, I don't know how their, those companies are going to survive. I'm friends with restaurant owners that have been doing the curbside stuff and they're not making money. No. They're, they're keeping the lights on and they're paying that staff. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, so we have a, a friend, um, I have a friend that's the GM out here at a restaurant, Clear Fork. And I was talking to him last night. We went in probably last week. And, um, he said, you know, it's, a, he, he's, he's run several restaurants. He's GM. So he's in front of the house and he was sharing with me, Tiffany, it's so difficult to make sure that your food is out the way your concept means have good food basically. Right, right. Okay. Then you have to make sure everything's sanitized in a new way, not just surf safe like you and I know, a new sanitation level. Then I have to worry about my employees being safe. And then we have these people coming in that are not doing the right thing. So it's not, it's gone from just being a pleasurable experience and worrying about your food He's like, there's so many levels right now through this, this yeah. peeling through this, this onion right. that it's like, okay, we have to remember we're here for food. Yeah. You know? And I think it's, uh, it's unfortunate because so many, even outside of our industry, so many of these, whatever we call them, the COVID rules or guidelines that we're supposed to abide by, there's so much inconsistency in them. I mean, do you remember originally when the mask came out, you mm-hmm. could only wear it once? Yes. And then all of a sudden, somehow, it's like you can wear it as many times. I know, so I know. There's just a lot of inconsistency there. And, and, I, and I think a customer of, of, of ours, uh, we delivered this past weekend to, gave me a rave review uh, just a few days ago 
um, he basically said, he goes, there's a lot of optics that are happening at restaurants where it's like, it's for show, but is it really doing anything? That's a questionable that's a question. thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, and, and that whole optics, like you're saying, it's making it hard for the restaurateur. And we're not even sure if it's really doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we know in such a short period? It's, right. It seems like forever for us. But- so I've actually kind of been using that to my advantage. And he actually set it up for me. He was like, you know, instead of going out, bring the dinner experience to your house, hire Chef Crusco Catering. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I don't even, I'm not even sure we've discussed this before. This was not planned. Mm-hmm. You know what my tagline is for my business? The best table in town, your home. I, I love that. That <laughs> so, is, I mean, and it's true. Yeah. It's true. I it mean, really is. It, I mean, before any of this. Before any of this. It, yeah. it, it is. Yeah. You've got, when do you go to a restaurant and you get your own chef? Mm-hmm. Never. Never. When do you get your own server just taking care of your table? Right. Rarely ever. Right. Yeah. You get to drink all your own vino. Right. And stay as it's long good. as you want. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get charged 300% for. Yes. You can have as much of it as you want. Right. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with you. Okay. So I know this from experience because my yeah. precious friend has done home and I and he knows that I'm, that? I I just can't watch. I can't watch. Because <laughs> it was difficult. For it's you. difficult for me because I want to get in there and do it. And he did Kennedy's prom yep. her junior year. Oh, my goodness. So that was we, a beautiful party. It was a beautiful you did party. A great job. Oh, well, thank you. You did too. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so you did the prom for her and it was fabulous. We had, okay, I'm trying to think, was that the year that we rained so? Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. so I'm get this right. So this yep. was her junior year. We had about 25 mm-hmm. beautiful outside on yeah. our on, on our that backyard on the, in that backyard. I had everything beautiful, pouring rain. Yeah, I remember pouring rain. My husband and Kennedy's dad is holding up. No, what sheets? <laughs> sheets of plastic. We had them come in, yeah. and it, but you know what? The food was killer. It was Thank so you. fabulous. She, we did beef and beef tenderloin, I yeah, believe. We did. we did some uh, molten lava cakes. Mm-hmm. We did some little um, kind of like uh, 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 oh, what do you call it? Uh, like a cheese little sandwich bites. Yes. Like oh a my gosh. melted cheese little sandwich bites. Dipped it in tomato soup. Yeah. Real cheese like little, sandwich bites. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. So we did all this for these juniors and seniors and it was. All dressed up. All, I mean, that was great. It was a great time. It was a great time. Yeah. So we have done this together and he knows that I just. But then they all leave and the fa- the parents stay yeah. and it's <laughs> a drunk party. Yeah. <laughs> it was a house party. Yeah. It was definitely sure. a house party. So he had quite a. Well, we didn't have a lot of f- leftovers, but, but yeah. Yes, we yeah. we all consumed those, but it was so. Yes, taking taking this concept to the home is amazing, and yeah. I wonder if that's where we may be headed. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I I think for the for the time being, that's going to be something that I'm going to really try to leverage and, and use to our advantage. Um, hopefully, just not necessarily. I want people to go to restaurants. That's not. I'm not trying to to stop that. But no. I think if more people had a chance to experience that in their own home or to friends' home, they be they might be more inclined in the future to say, you know what, sure I could go out in this restaurant and do this, but that was such a great experience. Let's do something like that at our house. Exactly. I know. So, yeah. Yeah. So we'll right. see. I know. Hopefully. So have you ever wanted a restaurant? No. 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 I uh, just I have friends that have had restaurants growing up. 
um, the amount of work oh. and attention that you, it's like a living, breathing thing. And if you're not going to be there on a daily basis for 12 to 16 hours a day, you know, it's, it's going to be very difficult to make it. Oh my goodness. Very difficult to I make know. it. It's, it's when Greg met me, he was just all about, don't you want a restaurant? Don't you want, isn't that the pie in the sky? And I said, right. not for me. Right. I never, please don't ever make me do that. And I bless our friends that are in this industry and yeah. that are doing it because the stress right now. And, um, we went to, uh, we actually, we adore Bartlett's in, in, in Austin mm-hmm. and what, oh gosh, Michael Beveridge, which is the GM, and he is unbelievable. I mean, didn't miss a beat. I mm. mean, they were on top of it, but oh, he yeah. is there all yeah. the time. Right. I, I don't think I ever go in there and he's not been there. Yeah, and I just think that there's, I mean, look, everybody wants to get into it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those reasons aren't the right ones. And that's mm-hmm. why the failure rate's so high. But if you're interested in making money, there's way better ways in oh the food gosh. industry to make money than have a restaurant. Absolutely, um, It has to be the type of person that loves to cook every day and manage a big staff and basically put on a daily party. Party. That's, you're getting up to party. That's what you got to do every single day. And if you don't have that in you and it hasn't been kind of part of your family history, like I'm good friends with the Mandolas in mm-hmm. Houston, yes. Rage and Cajun. Mm-hmm. It, that's just been part of his family since a kid. Yeah. I've known him since I was five. I mean, that's just who he is. So he, he, can, knows. he does that and that just comes off naturally. Mm-hmm. It's not like that for everybody. And you have to have that to have some measure of success. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would say, I mean, the idea of maybe entertaining something like a, a, a morning lunch place, mm-hmm. small, limited number of people. <laughs> right. where you could have a pastry chef knocking out some pastry sure. stuff and then maybe doing like a daily lunch thing. Maybe. That's something, yeah, may, yeah. possibly. But yeah, full on restaurant. Nah. Mm, nah, I'm that's out. Just, that's just You know so what? Much. I'm finding about myself, you know, so now I have my, I'm doing this new influencing and podcasting uh-huh. and you know what I'm, I am horrible at and I'm assuming uh, with our creative brain, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of us is like this. I'm a horrible manager. Horrible. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good at managing people. So can you imagine a restaurant? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I mean, look, I mean, I think in any capacity, in any industry, that's, you know, one of the more difficult things. I mean, a friend of mine who I consider very intelligent, has a lot of skill sets, uh, used to manage, um, some, uh, uh, bars and restaurants in downtown Austin. And he always would tell me the hardest thing in the world is managing people. people. He used to call them children, but yeah. it's oh, yeah. people. It's very, it's, it's not an easy thing. And babysitting and all yeah. the emotions. So. And how to talk to one versus the other. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So answer this question for me, because yeah. since we've been, you know, since we're reopening and I want to support my friends a thousand percent always. So we, we go to different eateries, restaurants, and um, I have noticed I'm trying to f- determine why I've noticed a lot of um, aggressive, not, you know, when you have a wait staff, you should, hey, I mean, aren't you depending on your tip? Mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit. So I just noticed that not all of them now, don't get me wrong, but a percentage of 
uh, that, that I would say is a lot higher than it was. Angry, and you mentioned before the show, I'm scared. I mean, I would be, I would fear, is this fear driven? But I, I want to go, aren't you happy to be back to work? Aren't you, you know, but just not, mm. um, and I'm saying, this is white staff. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I've only been to one place mm-hmm. in Austin since all this has occurred. Um, and I didn't experience anything like that. Mm-hmm. However, and I won't get into all the details and I definitely won't say the name of the hotel. Right. right. <laughs> I don't want to get us in trouble. Right. But um I've been doing some restaurant consultation down in Houston. Yes. And I stayed at a hotel in downtown Houston. And boy, did I have a horrible experience coming home one night from mm-hmm. uh, um, from from a friend, mm-hmm. um, a very angry guy that just uh, that worked there. Staff, staff. Okay. And uh, it was just um, so. Yeah, it was it was it was a scary moment. It was a strange moment. Um, being at hotels right now is strange. Like I highly suggest, unless it's four season or something, don't go. No, right. I mean, they don't, they, they put don't. your uh, linens and towels in a trash bag and hang it on the front of the door handle. Right. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah. but um, yeah, going to your question, I, I don't know. I think, I think, yeah, the guy was definitely angry. He was abrasive with me and aggressive, but um, I think it's a... Uh, at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, maybe just you know, people are scared. Scared. That financially, they're not sure, you know, right. their job's going to be around. Maybe they have other issues going on family-wise. That's true. Mm-hmm. This whole experience has really pressed people mm-hmm. in a lot of ways that they've never been uh, pressed or put in. Oh, absolutely. Have. So. You know, and I, and I, I do... I, the concepts in the restaurants that did close their doors and laid off or fired employees. So coming back and rehiring, as you and I were just discussing, yeah. can you imagine? Ah, I don't want to lose that person, I but know. they're gone. Or they know they had to go to work somewhere. I, I mean, you know. You know, another thing that I think about it, um, and I tell you this because I've walked into some homes recently to deliver food wearing a mask and mm-hmm. no one's wearing a mask inside. It's a self-conscious issue. Mm-hmm. It you is. know, I don't know these people. I'm walking into their house like I'm about to rob them or something. I mean, it is, it's strange. <laughs> I know. So I know. maybe, you know, maybe they're feeling that and they're going up to all these tables. Nobody's wearing a mask. Just mm-hmm. they are. Sure. It could be that. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, so we were, I think I started this conversation we, and I... I left, but, um, we were in Austin this weekend and the bars were open at 25%. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was hysterical. One of the bars you had to, they gave you an inner tube when you walked in. No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, you know, you think I'm going in there? No, but that was their social distancing. I mean, that's pretty, how big is the I mean, inner tube? Right. Exactly. That's Can you so imagine? Funny. That's pretty clever though. I mean, that's pretty funny. That's they, so see, funny. they got me to talk about it on the podcast. So, <laughs> so they got a little PR out of it, but we honestly, we, we walked um, for for five city blocks, and I mean, so many large um, hotel chains just shut doors with skyscraper rooms. I mean, just it it was so. My husband was just going crazy, but um, we were we were really really yeah. shocked. And then you know you come back to Fort Worth, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, and I'm not. I am not that person that needs to say if it's right or wrong, but you said even driving into Fort Worth, it, the energy is different. Yeah, more, much more laid back here than Austin. I mean, Austin still, 
you're the rare one if you're not wearing a mask. Oh, absolutely. We had them on the yeah. entire time. And the financial impact's been great. I mean, Magnolia, gone. Threadgills, gone. gone. Um, Blue Dahlia over there in East Austin, gone. No. Yeah, they no, had to no, shut no, down. No. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think you're going to see more of it even, you know, I don't want to sound so dark, but right. I think you may see more of it down the road. Uh, just the, the financial implications of mm -hmm. what could occur with some of these companies not being able to withstand not having that new business income. Mm -hmm. And there might be some people let go or places that are going to shut down. Well, you know, talking about this time that we're in this crisis mode and Paul, my producer and I've talked about this many times and I've talked about this with, with people on the show, guests on the show, people will re reinvent themselves. Oh, yeah. For example, you were telling me you're doing some R and D in Houston. So recipe development and some concept development and yeah. what, what's going on with that? So, that's, ex yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. And look, I mean, yes, I agree with you. Did I come up with it? I won't give myself that credit, but I did step up to the plate. I was able to do it. Uh, so what happened is a, a friend of mine who owns a Mexican restaurant um, in Houston, mm -hmm. um, not just any Mexican restaurant. I don't know if you know Alice Cook. I do know Alice okay. Cook. His restaurant's on her top 100 or essential 100 of Houston. Yeah. What's the restaurant? Uh, oh, you, not, to say, yeah, you don't yeah, want to say yeah, it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, but she'll tell me after we turn that yeah, camera. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, so he's been a friend of mine since I was young, uh, five, six years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, you know, we've just maintained a friendship. He was more so good friends with my brother. Okay. The older brother. But we've, we've developed a friendship more in the last five, ten years. And... So uh, we had been talking, you know, uh, with all that's been happening and, and things like that. And he saw what it did to my business. I mean, mm -hmm. it destroyed my business. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we didn't have any income for about two and a half months. Ugh. And um, so he just said, you know what? I'm in a position right now where, because they were doing curbside. He's like, <clears throat> and I, I'm going to have to think about like how much I say because sure, I don't want to share too, too much. But of course, um, he was in a position where he was able to shut down operations, mm -hmm. um, deal with the two cooks that had been cooking there. This was his family restaurant, his grandmother's, then his mother's. Mm -hmm. Deal with the two cooks that were the only ones that had recipes. He's a, this guy's a lawyer. He's not a restaurateur or chef or anything like that. Hmm. And so he was dealing with these issues with these cooks. And so he called me and said, look, would you be interested in coming to Houston and reverse engineer these recipes? Wow. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay. you know, he, or he, no, he said, he goes, do you, do you think you can do that? On the inside, I was like, damn, I don't know. But on the outside, I was like, oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. She yeah, can do yeah, it. I can do anything. Yeah, I could do that. I could do whatever. <laughs> oh, you know? I can do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, go down there. And uh, the first weekend, he gave me eight recipes, some of which he had some of them made. Some were frozen that we defrosted. Oh, wow. Um, I looked at his purchase orders so I could see what type of things that they're buying. Good man. I looked in their refrigerators, pantries, Pantry. everything. I looked at their menu. I did my own research, my own knowledge of Mexican food, Latin food in general. 
and uh, I just started reverse engineering and I got, I knocked out of the park eight out of the nine of them. The, the ninth one, it was just a different color. I think it was probably, I put too much paprika or maybe some tomato paste. And um, you did it, didn't I you? I did it. And he <laughs> freaking loved uh -uh. it so much. And then so I, it just flourished from there. I started giving him some ideas on how to utilize techniques mm -hmm. to make the final product better. So right. for example, like carne guisada, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and it just goes for anything. When you sear a piece of meat, right? And you know, people talk whether there's truth in sealing in juices or not. And okay, that's a, that's a different argument. But in reality, you're just creating more flavor, flavor. depth of flavor, <laughs> not yep. only on that piece of meat, mm -hmm. but what's left over in the pan, mm -hmm. the fawn that Emeril used to call yum-yums, you yes. remember? Yeah. Yes. And so showing him how to do that was one technique. Another technique was, look, I'm looking at your purchase orders. You guys aren't buying stock. You're not making stock here. You don't have, you know, any type of like Mexican beers here. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out a way we can get a beer in here. Well, um, there's one of the oldest uh, breweries in Texas right nearby. We ended up getting a Mexican style ale from them. Use that instead of the water. And now this carne guisada, I mean, <laughs> it's off the charts. You're kidding. And then he, we brought a ton of them to the brewery mm -mm. so that they could drink it with their beer. Now it's being hashtag blown up on social media. And there you go. There you go. So showing him that I've been showing him a few orga organizational things that can be done right. in terms of operations, cleaning sure. uh, systems, um, quality control and quantity control. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. people don't know how much a little thing like an egg can be yeah. a big difference when you're, you know, going through 50 dozens a day. Yes. Um, so just talking to him about different things like that, uh, to try to help him see, because poor guy, I mean, he's, he, he didn't get into this. He got into this because you know, his mother passed away and now he's stepping in. Wow. And so, um, and not a chef. No, not a restaurant. So he doesn't have that background of knowing what are the little things that can be done here, there to make it better. Right. And so it was great for me because it did a lot of things for me. It got me out of Austin mm -hmm. where I was going nuts. nuts. You know, I'm alone. I'm mm -hmm. single. Mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't social distancing. I was social, almost <laughs> isolating. You're isolating. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I needed to get out. So right. it was good for me for that. Um, it was good to be around a friend. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me an opportunity to share with someone, a childhood friend. He's like a brother to me, a skill set that my father taught me. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because my father and his mom both did their masters together at St. Mary's. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, and his mom, that's a whole other story. Like you want to talk about a powerful, amazing woman, his mom. She's the only Hispanic woman in all of the Houston Independent School District that has a name named after, a school named oh, after. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, she's iconic then. Yeah, she's Definitely. big. So, oh, my goodness. You know, having that opportunity to help him and then him help me mm -hmm. during a difficult time with my business, I mean, it was it was oh, perfect. It was a no-brainer. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. It ended up being great. And I ended up going back. 
I think another four or five weekends. Wow. So that's so great. And yeah. just taking your skill set and pushing it out further. But I yeah. know that feeling. Can you do it? Yeah, I can do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. But Researching, yeah. looking at things. And um, so yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. It was um it was eye-opening too mm-hmm. to watch. Um just how Houston was too. And even the drives there. I mean, it was, it was like I was living in, you know, Mad Max. It was just crazy. Crazy. I mean, normally I'd see uh, whatever, tens of thousands Mm -hmm. of cars between here and Houston. I mean, I could see maybe a couple hundred when I was driving. Cause this is, this was like late March, early April when I started doing this. Oh yeah. I remember you telling me that. That's well, good for yeah. you. So it was, it was, yeah, it was great. You know, um, so when you're talking about flavors and so you and I were texting over the weekend, yeah. I think. So I, I have a client that, um, that I work with that needed me to, you talk about re-engineer recipe. I sh- shared it with you. So they, they presented me with a recipe and yeah. the recipe was, a, was, was not successful on their website and they needed me to fix it. Right. And, um, so when I reached out to you, you know, the first thing I saw, so I'm going to take my client out of this, but when I see a recipe, when I see a recipe, I know if it's good or bad. Right. I mean, there's just, you and I know, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The rest of y'all, y'all let me know on this and yeah. tell me on YouTube, but um, leave a comment. But I know immediately, and I know the flavor profiling of beef so well, because I taught flavor profiling uh, forever for, and still do, but... I knew when there were certain ingredients added and not added, you know, flavor you need for, for, for beef, you need umami, you need, you know, fermentation, fermentation, you need, you know, I mean, you just need some flavor, you know, you can sear it, but then you've got to have some more. So this recipe, I had to reach out to you. I'm like, I'm lost. I'm absolutely lost on, and and, you know, that's, that's where, you you know, having friends like yourself and just going, have you tried this? But you, I showed you the recipe and you're like, I'm sure you're like, what in the world are they doing here? You know what (laughs) I mean? I mean, it would have been great for chicken. Right. Think or about pork. It. Or pork. Absolutely. So knowing recipes, and I know you and I have talked about this, you're not really keen on recipes. Mm. You're a technique guy. Am yeah. I, that Right? Yes. So it, and explain that to, 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 to everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, um, going back to carne guisada, mm-hmm. right? Um, I can't say it that well. <laughs> <laughs> so... This is the perfect example. Um, Anytime you're going to do any type of cooking, right? Uh, So we're going to take, just let's take, for example, in this case, the technique is searing, Mm -hmm. right? What is people like, what? I don't even know what searing is, right? We're going to dumb it down here, right? Mm -hmm. So what searing does is it creates a, the science part of it, a Maillard reaction, Mm -hmm. which is where the proteins that are naturally found on the outside of the meat, um, they start to caramelize. And that's why like when you go, like you, people go out to restaurants and with them and then they bring in that piece of chicken or fish and it's that golden color. And they're like, man, I can't get this at home. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. What you, kind of pan you using? Right. What kind of pan? How hot is <laughs> yep. it? Are you drying it? All these right. things, right? Mm-hmm. So my point is if you learn the technique of searing, it doesn't matter whether you have some quail some chicken, some fish, some beef, some pork, whatever it is, even vegetables. Mm-hmm. If you sear it, right, 
it's going to create flavor. Mm -hmm. And so that's, and, 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 and that's when I start to think why, or that's why I start to believe that, uh, it opens you up. It gives you more freedom than a recipe. So for example, if I taught someone how to make carne guisada mm -hmm. and that's all they knew, but instead now I said, I'm going to teach you a technique called searing and braising. So for those that don't know, braising is when you cook something in a liquid for a long period of time on a low heat, right? That's right. So if I teach two pe people how to do those techniques, okay, maybe, and, and they're done in the same recipe, mm -hmm. but I tell them, oh, you can do this with chicken, quail, and like 20 different varieties of vegetables. You can do this with pork and all those spices that you like. You can do this with... Uh, a big fish, mm -hmm. you know, a heartier fish. Sure. You could do this with all kinds of different proteins. You can even do it with some of the vegetables. Right. Now you've opened them up. You've given them freedom to say, I like this fat. I like these spices. Sure. I like these vegetables. So I'm going to try it out and see how to use them. And now they have the opportunity to make hundreds, if not thousands of recipes versus just learning that one, one recipe, right? Because cooking so much is about freedom, expressing who you are, maybe where you come from. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's what I love. Right. You know, the, I develop recipes for numerous companies and I have my whole career, my entire career. So I have my recipes, right? Yeah. My recipes. So right now I need to get my recipes on my website. My recipes are in my head. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're in my head. <laughs> my mama's recipes are in my head. Yeah. You know, so that's the difficult and your website is so beautiful. Do you do your own photography or you have a... No, uh, Alex Parker. Uh, yeah. Alex Parker photography. Yeah. She's okay. great. Oh, great gosh. girl. Yeah. Oh, that she's speaks to me. Um, and so as, oh, I can't remember her, her name right now, but she was the one who did some of my original pictures on my original website. Um, I'll have to let you know her, her name. Okay. Um, hey, I'm yeah. going to, uh, those of you that are watching and listening right now, I want you to go to, uh, chefs, uh, Carlos's, uh, website. It's, it's, um, chef Carlos Cruzco.com and uh, it's C chef, that? just chef Cruzco.com. Okay. So spell it. Uh, C-R-U-S like in Sam, C-O. Yeah. So okay. chefcrusco.com. Yeah. Go there, go to the lemon curd recipe uh, to die for one of my good? very favorite. I mean, everything's on there. So just, just you, a wealth of fabulous recipes, but I'm not good at writing my, I write everybody else's recipes, but mine. It's just yeah. taking, I've taken the time during COVID to really try to put everything together. And it's just tough. You know it's what I mean? It's very, very difficult. I mean, when I'm writing these recipes, you know, unless it's something to do with baking and things like that that are going to require a specific amount of something. What I always tell myself when writing recipes is, you know, for example, when, when putting in seasoning of like salt and pepper, for example, mm -hmm. I always like to put to taste. Yes. But you have to explain that to the beginner. Right. What does that mean to taste? Mm -hmm. Um so, and I also tell people when I'm teaching people, look over the entire recipe once, not to memorize no. it, but just to kind of get an idea in general, what this is going to be. Mm -hmm. But then you have to start to learn to use your intuition or experience that you may have or not. 
um, to learn how to pivot, to learn how to listen, right? And every time you're learning, you know, how to, you, you know, do a new technique, you're going to be picking up little tips of the trade mm -hmm. along the way. But cooking is a very intuitive, interactive, full sense experience. I mean, there's times I go to people's houses that might be cooking or something and I immediately smell something that's burning and oh. I'm like, Hey, yeah, you know, I oh. mean, yeah. Or you see something, right. Or you hear something, mm -hmm. you know, uh, here, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. people don't realize like it, it is all encompassing and you have to be able to dial into that to know how to like react to it. That's funny. You say that the other day, Kennedy was in the kitchen and I, she was cooking something. I'm in my bedroom mm -hmm. and I scream at her, Hey, something's burning in there. And she goes, how do you know? I went, I can smell it. Yeah. I can definitely smell, you know, and, um, it, my dad was so amazing like that. We used to go into restaurants. <laughs> he'd walk in in 30 seconds. He'd look at me and my brother and be like, Nope, not we're good. out of here. <laughs> and then we walk into like a really nice place and be like, it smells we're here. Yeah, I know. Okay, so tell me about your um, tell me about your her heritage. You, you're 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 not a mutt, but you no, kind, <laughs> kind of, kind of. Yeah, um, yes. I mean, so interesting. And of course, the flavor that from your heritage. Oh my goodness. Yes, I I was born here in the states, mm -hmm. but the first I don't know five or six years we spent a lot of time in Argentina, which is where we're from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rosario, Argentina. I don't know. If, I'm sure most people that might be listening to this will know who Lionel Messi is. Mm -hmm. So Messi grew up in the same neighborhood wow. that I did, uh -huh. El Saladillo neighborhood. Um, in fact, I found out his address. It was like uh, not even a minute or two from my grandmother and amazing? my aunt's house. And they all lived on the same street. Uh -huh. And so, um, so that's where we're from. All my family still lives there. Um, and so it wasn't just Argent being from Argentina. Then it was, well, w what came before that? And what came before that was on my mom's side was the Spanish heritage. So her grandparents, which would have been my great grandparents, were from Spain. Mm -hmm. I want to say Granada. Okay. And then my grandfather, my dad's dad was from Calabria, from Southern Italy. Oh, my stars. So, I mean, look at that. You can imagine like the food that I was lucky enough growing up mm -hmm. to eat and be around. Oh. Like when I left the house, I just thought everyone's eating like this. Yeah. No. And it was like, no, no, people are not. No. And so, and my mother was an incredible cook. She's the one who taught me how to make gnocchis. She's the one who taught me how to make empanadas. Mm -hmm. She's the one who taught me how to make a lot of daily uh, types of, of meals from Argentina. My father was a master gourmet. I mean, this guy, I mean, he was incredible. I have, he, I mean, he changed my life in terms of thinking about food. I'll never forget a quick, quick story. Mm -hmm. Uh, we would always have dinner parties, Friday, Saturday nights. I'd come home from school. I was eight, nine, ten, And all these important people would come over and stuff, or friends of his, business people, doctors, biz, know, lawyers, whatever. They'd bring really, really nice bottles of wine. So anyways, I came home from school one day. I was like, what are, what are we having? And my dad said fish. I wasn't into seafood that much mm -hmm. at that point. He goes, trust me, you're going to like it. 
all of a sudden brought to the table is an entire fish in crude, which in crude means encased in puff pastry. Uh He didn't just encase it. Then he went and designed the eyes, the gills, the dorsal fin, the tail. The whole thing was covered with this like bechamel, creamy oh, leek sauce. And I tasted that and I was like, what the f- <laughs> Can you say the F word? I don't know. Like, what, He'll bleep it out. What is this? Right. Because this is out of this world. So he did things like that. He also, you know, speaking of dinner in homes, uh, and when I was a senior in high school, we had a dance. You know, everybody's like steakhouse, Italian, sure. whatever. No, no, no. My dad found out. He says, listen, invite three of your friends in yeah. his accent. He's like, invite three of your friends and their dates. Come to the house. I'm going to make you guys a six course dinner. Hey. He knows four languages. So he was speaking oh, Italian, French, English, wow. Spanish. And uh, he left an impression on some of my buddies that night. Yeah. It was just indelible. So, I mean, I was lucky to grow up with all of that. I had a great, uh, he just, lo- they love food. They love wine. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, that, that gave me a foundation unlike any other. Well, you, like myself, grew up Catholic. So that there too, you there. Yeah. Then that's yeah. then there's that. Yeah. I, mean, I knew how to control that wine. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you were talking about dinner parties. So my mother, um, she was a fabulous cook. She was not a chef. She wasn't trained, um, mm-hmm. but came from a long line of uh, my gra- great grandmother couldn't speak a word of English. It was French. Okay. In uh, Louisiana, and had recipes and for the in the war, would trade bowls of gumbo for linens and I mean, because they were hungry and she would feed the, you know, the the soldiers and and Navy. And um, so that was mine. But but so mother was an amazing cook. But I remember when I was little, probably four or five years old, and they would have these Friday or Saturday night dinner parties. You know, mom had the big bell bottoms on and I'd sneak in underneath the table and there was a tablecloth and I'd just watch and gaze at these people in the beautiful clothes. Clothes yeah. and I mean we didn't have a lot of money, but it was yeah you know, fondue it was party, oh, fondue party, and I would watch the wine be poured, and I think that's what got me thinking, me you know, too. oh, and mom, I mean, just these elaborate things she would cook, you know, and that I mean, again, on a budget, yeah. but just these beautiful, beautiful memories. What's your what is your uh, your, your blog is uh, I think stories stories from the kitchen. Oh yeah. So do you have a what is your first food memory? That's That could be for both of us, too, don't we yeah. just, just talked about. I mean, that was probably one of them. But one even earlier than that was just I remember making pancakes mm-hmm. um, and French toast with my dad in the kitchen. And I was so small that I wanted to be up so I could see, you know, mm-hmm. what was happening where he'd show me, you know, how to look on the edges, knowing when it's ready to be turned. And I was so young, I couldn't see that. So he would pull up a chair and I'd get up on that chair. Um, that was one, but I think others were with my grandmother in mm-hmm. Rosario. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just being at her porch on in the backyard and she'd come out and she, she would ask me if I wanted gnocchis. This is like, you know, weekday and late afternoon, Stop early riding. evening. Yeah, it wasn't anything like super right. special. And I would be playing soccer for hours. And, um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, in Spanish, obviously. And um, 
I mean, literally within an hour, she would have gnocchis mm-hmm. uh, and tomato sauce ready for me. And those were, you know, very special memories. Special. Um, another one that didn't have to do with someone cooking for me in terms of my family was something I got to experience actually uh, the first week of March. Uh, I went skiing. I go skiing every year. I'm a big snow mm-hmm. skier. I've been skiing since I was five. And I grew up, we grew up going skiing in Taos, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we would stay at this place called the Hotel St. Bernard. And there was a guy there that ran the place named Jean Meyer, this Austrian French guy who was, I mean, these people, they were just incredible. These people would knock out like 100 to 150 souffles at 10,000 feet. Mm-mm. People don't realize no. like how difficult Science. that is. Oh my gosh. And so it was family style eating mm-hmm. and the place was like this beautiful, like it just was like this Austrian woodsy, like it had a certain smell cause mm-hmm. they had a fireplace in the middle and like, and, and every time they would bring the food because it was family style, we were always, it was my family of four with this other family, the Guerreros that we grew up with, they're like my brother and sister and mm-hmm. father and mother. Um, we got, we were like our own table. So it's like, we had our own table, but the food was done family style and he would bring it to the table. And every time he'd bring it to the table, he'd be like, voila. Oh yeah. And I mean, like we ate, I mean, all kinds of amazing foods like there. Kings. Like Kings. And yeah. so I went in March, we didn't stay there. We stayed at a new hotel called the Blake but it was right nearby the St. Bernard and I went over there for dinner one night and I'm not kidding you. Like I knew it was going to be nostalgic, Mm -hmm. but I walked in the back door, the smell of this place. It was, it kind of got me emotional. I'm sure. I mean, it was so profound because like we would go there all the time. It was incredible. Like every lunch when you came in from skiing started with this warm consomme or warm soup. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, and, 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 and I teach this when I teach flavor classes, food is memory. And totally. I can right now, if I think hard enough about um, my, my grandmother's, here it goes, lemon pie, I just start, I get my palate starts and I get yeah. a little teary, you know, yeah. but um, my memory is so French descent and no English in, in yeah, the house. And, yeah. 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 And so no. And, and um, as a child, the chair that went up to the, t- the stove. Now this wasn't, you know, it, it, not the safest thing, everyone don't do this, but my grandmother, my great grandmother had me making roux oh, wow. for gumbo and Creole food. And so she had me with a wooden spoon and, and a really, really old, old iron skillet. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, if you've never made roux before, I wouldn't start now, but <laughs> I mean, hours because we made a large, large amount because gumbo was a daily, right. I mean, you did have gumbo every day and it was duck or it was seafood or it was chicken or whatever, whatever's on, so, hand. Whatever's on hand and, um, hours of stirring that, and I'm not talking about a scant, just the bottom. I mean, Leaves. I mean, gallon, a gallon. Holy Yeah. And so, and we would stir the gumbo and um, my arm, I still have (laughs) tendonitis from it. That's it. But that memory, since my mom died 11 years ago now, 10 years ago, I can't, I can't make roux. I can't bring in myself to do it because she would make it and it was such, 
an experience. Wow. And um, that's powerful. Said, my um, husband keeps saying, would you please do this? Please do it for your dad. Please do mm-hmm. it. And I, it was such a power emotion and such a powerful memory. You know, we always had Folgers coffee cans full of roux. You right. just scooped it out yeah. of there and that was the thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, food is memory totally. and, and, and passion and, and, and I'm sure we all have it, but that's. What was one of your first uh, memories like not in your family? And so like out and about somewhere that really left an impression on you? You know, um, one of those dinner parties and we just happened to be able to go over to these house. The kids were invited so we uh-huh. could, we could go over, but it was an incredible, incredible Italian family. Mm-hmm. And it was the most fabulous bolognese sauce I have ever had in my life and can't recreate it because it was just so yeah. first of all, are you hungry or are you just, but it was such a memory for me. Yeah. It was greatest memory. You know what I remember? It was pork and, you know, because my mom would share with me the recipe that her friend had shared pork and beef. And I mean, just so luscious and so fabulous, yeah. you know, and just uh, own uh, probably tomatoes out of the, all the garden, yeah. you know, not canned tomatoes no. either. So yeah, you know, just going through, yeah, that, that was, there was certain, a lot of those, you know, back in the day, I mean, just something as simple as a fish fry, yeah. you know, which was very I think popular. that's where so many people get it wrong. They, you know, and I've been around some up and coming chefs and they'd like, they want to be dainty with this and this sauce and that sauce. And, and they don't even have a foundation yet. And right. sometimes the most beautiful dishes can be the most basic five ingredients or less. So typical of Italian cuisine, mm-hmm. but those five ingredients are going to be off the charts in terms of quality. Quality. Yeah. yeah. Because you, uh, you say the passion of produce, the yeah. passion of produce. And I mean, just, you know, some of my travel, we went to Italy in 2018 and oh my God, oh my I goodness. Know. The, the produce, we went down to Puglia. I mean, and I'm saying it probably incorrectly, but no, Puglia. oh my goodness, the produce and, 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 um, I mean, it's just incredible, you know? I'll never forget. I was at the Rialto Fish Market in Venice Mm -hmm. and uh, just walking around and I saw these little, they were, I don't know, what do you call, um, uh, (laughs) so when you have to think about it, you not asparagus, the the bigger ones, uh, artichokes, sorry. Mm -hmm. They were these little violet, like almost the color of this purple, this purple here, uh, little baby artichokes. Mm -mm. And so there was this smooth, older Italian, probably in his seventies standing nearby. And I said, Signora, you know, Kikosa, what is this? And, uh, the guy gave me a lecture about the soil Oh my goodness. How it's created, how that they have this uh, organization that has a board that oversees the growing, the production, and that he's on the board. Like it was a lesson. Oh, and yeah. all I asked was like about their <laughs> one little product. <laughs> he was very passionate about that artichoke. Yeah. But that tells you so much about their culture. Oh. Here we see something. Yeah, it's just the one. But yeah. they take it so uh to heart yeah and it shows because it's just the 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 food is i mean it's hard to find 
a bad place to eat there. You know, um, you and I, this is the next podcast, so I won't go into okay. it, but, but you and I have a passion for wine and, oh, yeah. um, and I know one of your Austin winery, I believe. You yeah. Know, yeah. But, um, I want to do a wine podcast next, but, um, you know, we've done the Buffalo Gap food and wine summit for years and, and, uh, love the Perini's. Listening to Tom and Lisa oh, Tom talk Lisa. about a oh, gosh. wow, those yeah. people. It's crazy. So, um, the, the talking to and listening to the wine growers. Yeah. I mean, that's the passion there, you know, yeah. just so passionate about the soil and the, the way it is on the terrain. And so anyway, that's a different podcast, but, but the same thing, just very passionate, totally. that industry. And I love it. And I, getting that, my opportunity that weekend to work with Fran, oh. uh, Francis Malman, one of the greatest chefs in the world. I know. I mean, that was, forget about, you know, being on your toes when he came around. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember watching him. Because we had like, I mean, it was overwhelming trying to maintain that amount of food outdoors all over the place. Yes. For me, I didn't have much experience with that at all. But watching him sit in a golf cart in the shade drinking his mate, which is this herbal drink that you drink in Argentina out of a gourd. And based on how the smoke was billowing moving, whatever it was, he would then assess that and then come over, yell at us, mm -hmm. especially his main guys, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what is this guy talking about? And then like <laughs> 10 minutes later, no but, smoke, no billowing, no issues. Yeah. Hey, this guy was an artist. Yeah. And, and just incredible. And you're talking about Buffalo Wine and Food Summit that that we've done for, I've been blessed to do it every single year. And Lisa, we hope you bring it back. Yeah. But, um, it, Argentina was the it country. Was Argentina, Argentina, so that's Argentina why they brought wines. in. Yeah. And, um, Carlos was chef and I would see Carlos, it's an entire weekend and I would see him. He was a little focused. He didn't have time to <laughs> chit chat <laughs> yeah, with Tiffy was, or anything like that. Well, I think that night we did 200 plates, nine courses. Yeah. And there was seven of us chefs and then obviously a army of assistants. Oh my stars. They've got it. They got it down. But I it just, was, yeah, that I, was, was a phenomenal thing. That is an unbelievable experience. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to, I've got just a couple more things I have to talk to sure. you about. So I'm going to, I'm going to read this first. I'm going to try okay. to put this as, this is the first thing on uh, your bio and I, I love it and I'm stealing it, but um, this is on his bio on his website. I did too. <laughs> you did too. Good job. We're still real well. Um, a chef must think like a scientist, organize like an accountant, plate like an artist, and cook like a grandma. Yeah. Is that fabulous, people? That is that is word, yeah. word, word, word. I mean, I just, I love everything about that. It gives me chill, chills, especially the passion that you and I share. So I'm going to ask you this, and you know sure. me pretty darn well. Um you're going to do, let's say you're going to have a dinner party for me. Let's okay. just say, all right. So me and 10 of my, nine of my, my friends, Greg and I. Okay. Okay. So start me out, take me on a journey of, you would do eight to 10, right? Eight sure. to 10 uh, People? plates. No, oh, plate. horses. Yeah. Horses, for yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Tell me, tell me how we'd start this evening. Take me there. Wow. Um, so would it be at your house? Yes. You're hosting? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're hosting. So 
essentially <laughs> we might say we, me and my staff would show up hours uh, prior, uh, meet with you, take care of anything that needs to be set up for you, essentially start to take the weight of the dinner off of you or the husband, whoever, or both, right? But we usually know. Would be me. We usually know who it Which is. Which would be difficult for me. Yeah. Okay. I know. You just lock me out. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's our job. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's our job to notice that as they try to keep doing it, we keep telling them we're here to do that. Right. Please make us a list of the things that need to be done. And if we need to ask you for something, we'll come and get right. you. But we want you to relax. In fact, what do you want to drink? Yeah. So it starts from the moment we get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives the chefs, myself, a chance to get in, get situated, get the kitchen organized how we need it to. In fact, let me take a step back. It starts four or five days prior. Well, sure. We send our customers an event details email to letting them know what to expect when we arrive, you know, have everything in working order, make sure that the countertops are clean. Cause we're essentially coming in and taking over yeah. the kitchen. Yes. Um, so, so that's that. Then we start our prep work. We're getting things lined up and then we start our cooking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what we would do in your case is we would present eight to 10 courses of call them tapa style, mm-hmm. small bites, appetizers, but they would all come out throughout the night as if you were sitting down to eight to 10 courses. Gotcha. But instead of sitting down, you could be outside at the pool. You could be indoors, standing, sitting, talking, wherever you are, our staff would bring that food to you. So you're still experiencing it on a level of like sitting down plate by plate, (laughs) but in a little bit more of an informal setting. And yet you're still going to have the food as it was supposed to be delivered, caught, hot, cold, Mm -hmm. medium, right? So you really get the full uh, effect of it. As far as what it is, if that's what you're asking, I'd probably take you down a road of a a combination of Italian, French, Spanish, and Argentine foods. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to utilize lots of vegetables. Um, I think vegetables are so... um, they're just not given the credit right. d- d- that the they deserve. Right. They're just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the meat, but vegetables, there's so much you can do from them, mm-hmm. from eating them raw to, you know, searing them, roasting them, frying them, uh, incorporating them into sauces. Right. Um, so I would probably do something utilizing uh, certain techniques and uh, and giving you flavors from those countries but then also taking into account maybe some of the flavors that you like, which mm-hmm. I would uh, receive all that information uh, beforehand. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I'd probably do something like that. Maybe some type of nudi, gnocchi, um, uh, risotto, uh, maybe croquetas from Spain, maybe a paella, maybe a small paella mm-hmm. bite. You know, we've done like paella. Uh, fritters. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, are you right. kidding me? <laughs> um, probably something Argentine wise, maybe some empanadas. Um, empanada. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to say it like you think. Empanada. <laughs> empanadas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we would I probably would do stuff like that. And then I like to incorporate fruits and chocolates and things like that for desserts, lighter things. Cause 
you have to be aware when you start getting above three or four courses, you have to be very, very keen and aware on the amount of breads, oh. frying, oh. Uh, and heavier types of foods that you're using because people just can't eat that much, right? No. And so I like to use a lot of uh, fruits and things like that, lighter things, mm -hmm. sorbets. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So I'd probably do something like that. And then I also would, at some point would like to incorporate some wine into mm -hmm. the dishes, maybe some liqueur into the dishes right. um, and just take you guys on a little journey. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know so. what? I, I think about you and I both have several friends that are pastry chefs. By the time you eat, I, you just feel so badly because you talk about pastry chefs. They have to work. I mean, we all work yeah. hard, but they are so, I mean, just artistic and yeah. it's science. And the number of times where I've, I've either, you know, going to a course meal and they're, oh, here's, oh, I'm too full. Right. Great. Thank you. Exactly. Look, look here, honey. Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I mean, that's why you really, like there's times where we'll have a customer say, oh, you know, I want to have this thing with bread and this thing that's oh. fried and then this thing. And then they think about the dessert. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm on board with you about 80%. <laughs> but I want you to think that most people may not be able to eat like you. And that by the time they get to that dessert, they're not going to be hungry. No. So, yeah. And then we can also do that too. We can, we can try to minimize some of that also with portion control. Sure. I'm not a person that likes to serve like huge portions. Right. right. Yeah. You know, always a friend of mine told me, always leave them with them wanting just a little, a little bit, bit more. more. Yeah. Just a little more. Yeah. I hear just you. a little bit more. Just a little more. So, yeah. Okay, so. friend. So you come back and see me? I'd love to. Oh, my I'd goodness. I'd love to. You guys will have me. I'd oh, love to be here. Oh, of course. I'd love to do a wine one. Wouldn't that Definitely. be fun? And yeah. pay, again, flavors and flavor pairings would just be so lovely. Sure. So. Maybe I could bring some some wines from my buddies at the Austin Winery. Oh, yeah, because they, you work with them. Yeah, do, do a lot of uh, partnership uh, work oh, with them, events and yes. stuff. So, yeah. That would be fabulous. I'd love it? to. I know. And we want to cook together again. We promise on YouTube we are going to cook together. Yeah. Yes. That would be fun. That would be fun. That'd be great. Okay. So tell us real quickly, you're at Chef Crusco on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. And, and again, uh, your website. Website is chefcrusco.com and uh, also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay. So. Well, and everyone, if you would do me a huge favor, if you would go and rate and review this podcast on YouTube. And I love hearing from you. And follow me at Tiffany C. Blackman um, on Instagram. And everyone, stay safe out there. Definitely. Have good food. Be yeah. passionate about that food. Enjoy <laughs> your day, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you no, for coming. Thank you. I take, appreciate it. It was fun. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.